Hebrews is a matter where he's asking for your, my dear children, pay full attention here. We've seen him do this so many times during this book. Here, John, he's not only encouraging his readers to love one another, but this time, it's a little bit different. He gives us a reason why we ought to. Beloved, love one another. We've seen that throughout the book so far. This time he says, for love is of God. Here's why we ought to love one another. Because love is of God. Now John's going to expand that concept as we get to verses 9 and 10. But hang on to that thought. I don't want to seal my own thunder just yet. We'll get there. But before John goes into describing the nature of the love that comes from God, he makes a very profound statement about that love. And I don't know if you caught it. He says, And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. That's a pretty profound statement. Now, before we even get breaking into this, I'm not going to tell you... Let's derail one piece of uh, false teaching that gets taught off of this sometimes. This is, John is not saying that love, living in love, is a substitute for confession of faith, confession of faith in Christ. Some people will say, all we need is love. The Beatles sang about that, right? That's, that's not at all what John's talking about. He's not describing that. Love is not going to save you. The theologians will say love is not salvific. How's that for a word for you? Uh, but love, proper love, is evidence that our confession has been made. That's the point John's trying to make here. We know that we are born of God if we are showing that love. It's not because we love that we're born of God. It's we are born of God, now we can show the love properly. We've got to get that out of the way right off the bat. Some churches teach otherwise. There's a church at the head of the square that teaches that very thing. Uh, you know what I mean. I'm not going any further with that. The point John's trying to make here is the same one we looked at a couple of weeks ago. That love for each other is evidence that a person has been born again. We've already gone over that. Now John is really putting a fine point on it. But the opposite is also true, he says. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. The point here is that the absence of love is evidence that a person does not know God. Because God himself is characterized by love. Did you know that? Everything God does, everything God has ever done, is evidence of his love. People will say, oh, I don't like reading the Old Testament because the Old Testament's so full of war and bloodshed. Well, every bit of that is God demonstrating his love. Every bit of that is God demonstrating his love. I'm not going to get into a long explanation of how that's the case. I've done it before. I'm, I'm not going to do it right now. There can be no knowledge of God that is not expressed in love for our fellow believers. Simple as that. Now, we went over that a little bit. I'll refresh your mind. Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 29. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 29, he says, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Same concept. But to, what is, let's go back over what John means when he says born of God. Well, in order to know that, we need to go talk about what John said in his gospel. And we did this back in chapter 2 when we were there, but let's go back to the gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John says that we become the children of God, not by natural birth, but by being born of God. Now in John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born from above, and that he must be born of the Spirit. I'm not going to teach that whole passage either. So, being born of God, then, is very different than natural birth. And this new birth that John speaks of here is a process which is brought about by God's Holy Spirit in response to a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what John's talking about. We kind of took the long way around the barn on that. But the, John's got one other point here that people sometimes get confused on. He says, God is love, right? Uh, right at the bottom of uh, verse uh, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So what does John mean by that? God is love. He doesn't mean that God is an impersonal force. Oh, God is just love. And wherever love is, that's God. Uh, that gets taught in churches today. When people express love, that's God. That we are making God by loving each other. No, that's not what John's teaching. Some churches teach that. What John is saying is that God's very nature is love for his creatures. God made us in the first place. You go to Genesis chapter 1 when he's creating things. His creation was an act of love. He created us because he wanted to love us. And it's been that way throughout history. God is love. Verse 9 makes it clear. We'll get there. But let's read it. Let's read it right now. We'll get there in a minute. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. That was the ultimate expression of love. God sent his only beloved begotten Son. We'll get there. I'm not going to teach it right now. And he did that so that we could have life through him. And verse 10 then takes it even further by pointing out that Jesus was sent as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, we'll get there too. I've teased about it enough. Let's go to uh, looking at verse 9. John tells us exactly how God shows his love for mankind. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son that we might live through him. <coughs> Pardon me. 
This demonstration of God's love was no backroom deal. This was a very public affair. It was seen and it was attested to by lots of folks. Everywhere we see Jesus go, it said, and the multitude followed him, and the multitude followed him, the multitude followed him. It wasn't a backroom deal. There's even one passage in Luke that's described. Jesus tries to go into a mountain by himself. He just wants to get away from the multitude for a little while. One night, he wants to spend by himself and be quiet, and the multitude followed him there. He tried to walk across the lake the very next morning. I think he walked across the lake because that was the only way he could get away from people. I really wonder that. He needed some time alone, but he couldn't get it. Jesus' life was attested by a lot of folks. It was no backroom deal, very public. This love was seen in that God sent his only begotten son. And that phrase, only begotten, is a very special phrase. It's a Greek phrase. It's ton monogeny. Ton monogeny in Greek. It literally means one and only. One and only. It's speaking of the uniqueness of Christ. There was only one Christ. <clears throat> God had only one son. He sent him into the world because of his great love for the world. He loved us so much that God, there's only one thing that God only has one of, and that's Christ. God loved us, this world, so much that he sent the one thing that he only had one of, Ton monogeny. And that's what we read about in John chapter 3, verse 16. We all know that, right? The most quoted verse in the Bible. And it was all done for a very express purpose. That we might live through him. That's why. God loved this world so much that he sent the one thing that he only had one of God has everything, but one thing he only has one of, and that's his son. He sent him to this world that we might live through him. That's quite a thing to think about. I should stop right there and not muddy the waters any further, but I'm not going to. It says that we might live through him. You know what that we means? You and me, we're believers, right? We, we reap the benefits of God sending his one and only son. That's something. Now, the demonstration of God's love was more than simply sending his son, just more than just sending his son into the world, as great as that was. And I think we just made a pretty good point of how great that was. But the real demonstration was the reason behind it, that we might live through him. That's a lot like what John records Jesus praying in the uh, Gospel of John 17. Gospel of John 17, verse 3. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, too, by the way, John 17. Verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. <coughs> Pardon me. 
we've already gone over this quite a bit. I've gone, I went over this when I taught the Gospel of John. I've gone over it a couple of times since we've been in 1 John. But in John's mind, life equals knowing or having Jesus Christ himself. <coughs> that is life in John's perspective. John sees life, true life, as synonymous with being a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you don't even know what life is. So with all that in mind, what John is saying here is that God's purpose in sending Jesus into the world was that we might share in that true life that it means to be a Christian. We're going to still expand on that as we go to... <coughs> pardon me. To verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. Back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. <coughs> so, here John's really clarifying what he means by love is of God. And God is love. This is how he, he boils it right down. And he does it by explaining what God did for us. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. John starts right off here by making it clear, love is not to be understood in terms of our love for God. And once John rules that out, he then explains what love is. It's not my love for God. Here's what it is. It's God's love toward us. So between verse 9 and verse 10, we see very clearly that the concept of love is not what God is. God is a person. He acted on our behalf. But it's rather what love looks like. God did all that to show his great love for us. See, God's love is the standard by which our love is to be measured. God's love is the standard by which our love is to how How much do we love? Do we love as much as God loves? Do we love as, enough to uh, send our, if we had one, only one thing in this world? Thank you. If we only had one thing in this world, would that be, would we love enough to send that to help somebody else? Ah, that's better. <coughs> now, you may recall that I talked about this word propitiation a while back, but I'll refresh your memory right now because it's been a it's been probably two months. The word is helosmos in the Greek. It's found only two times in the New Testament. Here and in chapter 2, verse 2. That's when we went over it once before. That word propitiation. Let's read it. Uh, it's on the same page in the Pew Bible. 1 John 2, verse 2. And he is the propitiation, helosmos, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Those of 
The only two times that word propitiation is used in the New Testament. Now it's used six times in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and every single time except once, it's describing the removal of sin's guilt through sacrifice. So it's safe to say that that's the concept John's trying to use here. If every other time it's used, that's the way it's used. This is how John's using it here. So God sent Jesus to be our atoning sacrifice to remove the guilt from sin so that we might have eternal life. You remember the picture of the blood. The high priest only once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, goes into the Holy of Holies and puts blood on the mercy seat. That's the picture that propitiation is. When it says propitiation, it's a big theological word we don't think much about because it only shows up twice in the Bible. It's, it's that picture. It's the blood that covers the guilt. Takes away the guilt for another year. That's what Jesus is for. There's quite a lot wrapped up in that word propitiation, isn't there? It's the greatest expression of God's love. And that's what John means when he says that God is love. God loves us so much that he sent his son into the Holy of Holies, carrying the blood to cover up our guilty sin. And it's taken care of. That's love. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Here John gives us the purpose he has in taking all, John's taken all this time to talk to us, to explain all that to us. Here's why. John isn't just trying to educate us, give us a history lesson on what God's love means just for the sake of giving a lesson. <coughs> which is what I've done so far this morning. That's not what John's trying to do. Instead, John wants us to see that God's love ought to inspire us to love one another. If God so loved us, he loved us so much, he sent his one and only son to earth that we can live through him and he made him the propitiation to cover our blood guilt, all taken care of. God loved us that much. It's the least you can do to love each other. That's what John's saying here. And remember, this word if, if God so loved us, that's literally since. Since God loved us that much, the least you can do is love each other. Since God loved us that much, we are obligated to love our fellow believers, and there's no excuse. See, when we read right through it in the English, it doesn't quite come across that punchy, does it? Let's look to verse 12, and we'll wrap up. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So here John takes it just a little bit further. He's not interested in the obligation to love one another for its own sake either. I just told you John's not trying to just teach us a lesson on how Jesus was the propitiation. That's what the pictures in the Old Testament were all about. He's not just teaching us a lesson. 
He's not even just teaching us that it's our obligation to love one another. John takes it one step further and says, it's a sign that God lives in us. It's, it's even beyond that. It's a sign that God actually lives in you. That's why he says, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. That's the climax of everything we're talking about today. His love is perfected in us. God's love is perfected in us. It wasn't even perfected in Christ coming to earth. Did you know that? It was perfected when we demonstrate that love back toward other people. That's the conclusion of God's love. Now that's a whole lot right there, isn't it? Nobody, let's explain it a little bit more. Nobody on this earth has ever seen God, right? Anybody seen God? No one's seen God. No one on earth has ever seen God. He is invisible. But, if we show the love that God gave us as we love each other, then that characteristic love, God is love, right? That characteristic love of God becomes visible, don't you see? That's how the invisible God is now seen. God is love. When we demonstrate that love, we make God visible. Do you see the importance of this? It's not, I don't feel like loving them. That's not it at all. It's how we make God visible. That's why the language of verse 12 is so similar to the language of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18. Let's back up and look at that. That's the only other reference I'm going to give you. Gospel of John, chapter 1. If I can find it. And verse 18. Oops, I went right past it. And we'll wrap up with this one. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. That's why our loving one another is so critical. It may be the only demonstration of God's love that folks ever see. And that puts a new face on things, doesn't it? Let's wrap up with that thought. Derek, could I have you close with a word of prayer here?